0: Goldilocks wanders into the woods and into the bear's house and she plumps for the porridge which is neither too hot nor too cold. Then she heads to the bedroom and picks the mattress which is neither too hard nor too soft. I mean ultimately she's eaten by the returning bears but her logic is sound. Things slap bang in the middle are often the best and such is the case with track at the moment. Move aside the 100 metres, we want to watch the 8 and the 15, and chances are, on a global level, there are going to be a few Brits involved these days. So our men's episode went down so well, we thought we would do a back straight women's middle distance special. I am Claire.
1: I'm Jodie. I'm Bayo.
0: And it is an absolute pleasure to have you along for what will be an hour or so, perhaps, of enthusing about what is the red hot discipline, or disciplines, Uh, in the track and field world right now.
1: How are you both? Really good. It's been a great week. And I'm especially excited because we've got some great guests on this week. Claire, I know you had a really good chat with Gemma Riki.
0: I did. Always a pleasure to catch up with her.
1: Bayo had Melissa Courtney Bryant on the phone. Um, And I'm talking to my fave Sarah MacDonald. So it's the cream. It really is the cream of the crop in British middle distance runners.
0: This is Paula Radcliffe, and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys.
1: The thing is with the middle distance, like, historically... Especially on the men's side, middle distance has not really been my thing. I think that's because there's this whole pressure, isn't there, on British. Like, we, we love the middle distance, oh, let's talk about the 80s, Seb Coe, Steve Cram. And it just got a bit tiresome. And especially because we weren't, once again, especially on the men's side, we haven't been very good for, for, for years. But in the last four, four or five years, slowly our middle distance runners have become spectacular. Like, up there with the best in the world. We've got so many people on both sides the at the trials, and we say this all the time, don't we? What's the best event at the trials? Oh, it's going to be the eight hundred. It's going to be the fifteen hundred. There's so there's not just a talent, but it's a tactical, it's a tactical awareness that people have to have as well. So it's like it's not just running fast, is it? There's so many so much else that goes into those two races. Um, and at the moment, we've got there's so much to watch, and it's really exciting. So I'm really pleased to be talking to some of our, our best middle distance women this week. Claire, I had absolutely no idea where that <laughs> no. <industry> was going. <laughs> 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 but I have to agree, the middle distance—I mean, the sort of eight hundred has always been my kind of my favourite event, but definitely not the fifteen hundred, and that is hundred percent changed in the last few years. Um the I always think of the twenty seventeen in London, the women's mm. fifteen hundred final in, in London was just one of the greatest races of, of all time and it's kinda of gone on from there. Every time there's a fifteen hundred metre race on men's or women's, it's just super, super exciting at the moment. And what's so great is we have so many people in the mix.
0: It's just so perfect I think as an event because every single lap matters. Every single 100 metres, a little storyline can develop or the narrative can progress. It's not like a 10,000 metres where you know for a fact that there's, there's going to be some kind of dead weight in the middle of the race when it is just a matter of winding down the distance. And a 15 or an 8, every second, moves being made and things are being gauged. But you also get long enough to really enjoy it and to luxuriate in the storylines emerging, even if so often recently they have led to 4th, 5th, 6th for
1: Brits. <laughs> Um, I think especially in the 15, um, you can watch the tactics and you can see that split second decision that makes a difference between getting a medal or ending up seventh. mean? You know? Because sometimes it's just like when one person comes up on your shoulder, wh- whether you go or whether you let them get past you, whether you get stuck on the inside and can't get out. There's so much to watch for. And especially like all of us who've been watching athletics forever, we, no- we, we notice those subtleties, those little moments that um, are make or break. Um, and it's that decision making, isn't it? It's like whether you're going to go with the break, whether you're going to try and go for gold or do a Jenny Simpson and like run smartly and get a bronze. Like it's there's so much going on. There's so many stories, and it's yeah, I'm, I'm very very excited about. And the men's and women's are, are both equally at the moment. It's it's interesting because we as athletics nerds will happily watch a marathon. Yeah. You know, we'll happily watch two two and a half um, two and a half hours of a story unfolding. Um, and we will understand you know what was what's happening in that story but i think in an 800 or a 1500 that story is really short and sharp and there's a lot of stuff going on in a really short period of time and once you know how to watch it as we do you know it's just the most exciting thing at the moment in athletics. And
0: Jodie, you touched upon the fact that there are different ways to come away with a medal in a 1,500 or 800 metre final. And what's so exciting at the moment is that in the Brits, we've got people who can do both. Yeah. And as they are all actually reaching the peak of their powers, because like you said, there's a proper crop coming through. We've got people like Gemma, Adele and Laura Muir who were all in the top 10 last year over 800 metres in the world. And similarly, Laura, Laura, Melissa and Gemma over the 1,500 last year. So... If it turns into a time trial, we know we've got women who can mix it up there with the best of them. But there's also just such a crop coming through who are increasingly canny and increasingly brave and calculating and getting experience because now British athletes are desirable for meet organisers. So they are on the Diamond League circuit and they are getting these good reps in. And I think that's coming to fruition at championship level.
1: Absolutely. And just what Bayer was saying about um, watching these races and there being lots of different stories. That, I just want to go back to that London 2019 women's 1500 meters Mm. where there's about 12 different stories going on in that race and different races within the race and it was such an exciting so i'd really encourage anybody to go back and because it is on youtube now it wasn't on youtube for a couple of years was it it is now go back and watch that race and don't just watch the winners watch what's going on further down the field watch castus and menu watch laura muir watch jenny simpson watch what's going on it's so exciting
0: from a british perspective why do you two think if you can condense it down distill it into the core reasoning why are we doing so well at the moment?
1: Two words. Kelly Holmes. <laughs> yeah. <you're laughs> right. <laughs> Um because obviously we've always had, we've got a history in the middle distance races. I mean, even back in the eighties, yes we weren't winning world um and Olympic medals necessarily because of the Eastern Bloc mainly, but we had such great pedigree. We had Zola Budd, we had Kirsty Wade, we had Chris Cahill, um Yvonne Murray, um Liz McColgan, obviously who ran further, but she was she went four oh one over over fifteen hundred. Mm. And yes, I mean so and then there's Kelly in the nineties, um um Hayley Tullett. Um, Helen Pattinson there's there's been this consistently world world Lisa Dabriskie Hannah England so there's been a there's been this consistency too, especially on the women's side um, of um, middle distance runners who've always been up there up there in the world but Kelly Holmes really I think is the catalyst because not only was she world-class throughout the whole of the 90s Um, Obviously 2004 was that moment when she wins two gold medals at the Olympics on the biggest stage possible. There's such a story for her as well, a story of like achievement and ups and downs to get there. And the generation who are running now, they were all of the age when they were young kids when they saw Kelly do that. And it wasn't just the inspiration that she gave, but she went on, she had the on camp with Kelly. She had other initiatives to really get people into it and success breeds success. So um, from that, Steph 12 was the world junior champion. What was that, 2008? Yeah, 2008, mm. I think, world junior champion. Um, so we've got that pedigree. We've got people running against each other, um, increasing the competition. When you've got someone who is in your training group or you see on a regular basis that meets who you know is, um, like, just a bit better than you. But you, it gives you the inspiration that you can get there as well. So I I can only see things going from strength to strength at the moment.
0: There's that expression, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Mm. And Kelly Holmes, for these women when they were just girls competing once a week at the, the local athletics league matches, that's one inspiration, something that's a little bit further removed, but where she's a British athlete enjoying such success, she's very relatable. But goodness me, imagine training with somebody who is of a global medal winning ability somebody who is breaking British records so god imagine being Gemma Rieke. (laughs) Hi I'm Jenny Meadows and you're listening to the Back Straight Boys. Gemma 2020 for lots of people halted momentum because the Olympics were at the end of it and that was the big target but I don't feel like anyone had as much momentum as you had because you had run if I've got this right three national records indoors in the space of eight days and all of a sudden you had gone from being this hot young prospect that lots and lots of people knew about to a hot young prospect that everyone knew about can you just tell me what it was like adapting to that change in 2020?
2: I think I didn't really think about it much to be honest and like even when you say that (laughs) I'm like I did do that (laughs) yeah I don't really think about it too much and then I just, like, went with it, like, I just, I've always, like, don't take much pressure from MDLs, I put a lot of pressure on myself, like, I'm probably, like, everyone has said that to me, like, I expect so much of myself, mm-hmm. but I do it because I love it, and, like, when I'm on the start line, I'm smiling, I'm happy, I'm warming <laughs> up, I'm, like, buzzing and happy, and, like, I see people being so serious, and I'm, like, how are they so serious, like, I was so happy to just be racing and yeah like I just I was just loving every minute of it and I I think that's just why I run well like because I just I'm just doing it because I'm like enjoying it and yeah racing it was tiring like after I finished that indoor season I was tired and it probably just all caught up with me um but I think I learned a lot from indoors and Uh, yeah it was it was nice to finally pull through and do what I knew I was capable of doing
0: was it nice then in a way as frustrating as it was to not be able to carry that form into a huge outdoor season although it's got to be noted that you won two diamond leagues and you went sub two minutes seven times that year was it nice in a way to have a bit of time to go back to the drawing board and buy yourself another year before an olympic games because you're still so young
2: I think it did do me benefit like at the point I was like there's no Olympics like I was disappointed yeah. like every other athlete but like when I sat down I thought about it as like well you've got to take the best at this situation I'm gonna like work really hard on like all the things that I want to get better at and just use it as an extra year to get faster and another year stronger more experience and so I think I just I'm quite good at looking at positives and I always said, like, throughout it, and it's like, there's a lot worse happening in the world just now than me lining up to race. Like, that's not the end of the world, but there is people that are really ill just now. So I think I was, like, quite positive at hold it, like, just thinking positively the whole time, as much as I could. Mm. Like, obviously, every athlete had their down days and stuff like that during it all, and it was upsetting not knowing what's happening because as athletes, we're so (laughs) organised. We always have a plan and we know what's happening Mm -hmm. and obviously things got changed. But I think it was a good, like, it was good to learn for everyone that, like, we don't need everything. Like, we couldn't access physios and we couldn't access tracks and everything in it still taught it taught everyone that you don't actually nothing needs to be perfect all the time Mm. and do you think you have
0: addressed some weaknesses are you a better athlete now than you were 12 months ago
2: definitely yeah like I always look at my training diaries like I write I write them down as well as having them like online so I always write them down and I always I never compare myself to like if I'm training With Laura, I don't compare myself to her because we've both got different strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that. So I always just compare myself to myself. So like, I'm always checking to make sure I'm making small improvements here and there. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely stronger and better than last year. So it's a positive. (laughs) You mentioned
0: Laura and you also said you didn't have access to physios, to all the facilities that you might've wanted. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of things were taken away from you by COVID, but that is where it's very handy to be training with one of the best in the world. You must have been almost more grateful than ever that you've got Laura to run with and to yeah. push one another.
2: I was so grateful to have Laura and for Laura to let me live in her house for three months. Like, Did she? We we, it started off, I moved in there because my wee sister's a student nurse and at this point she was working in the hospitals and we didn't know how safe it was for her to come back mm-hmm. for everyone in the house. But for me, um, it was kind of like, right, we need to protect me a wee bit more, like don't want really want to miss too much training stuff like that so mm-hmm. and we couldn't train together if we didn't live together so laura said why don't you come up and stay here it'll be three weeks like <laughs> we'll train we'll train together and we both knew that like we're both so high up in the world at both distances that no matter if we do, can't get facilities as long as we run together and train together we're gonna push each other and like nobody like that's so we're so lucky to have Mm. like if we just keep pushing each other no matter where we're running or what we're doing like we're gonna come out good at the end so it was so good to have each other and for to support each other as well throughout the time I
0: love that and also how useful to live with a qualified vet for a little bit because remind me you've definitely acquired more dogs since we last spoke (laughs) Elton Finn Dolly have I
2: got that right
0: yeah you've got three dogs now
2: free dogs yeah so uh, I took Dolly with me to State Laura's and it was great as well because when we weren't training we were like able to spend time with the dog mm-hmm. and take our minds off stuff and uh, yeah so it was really nice and then yeah I got another dog at the end of the like <laughs> October, o- August or September last year so yeah I, it made me realise like oh I want Dolly to have another chihuahua if I move out <laughs> so I thought while well, I'm at home I'll, I'll get one
0: that's a pack now you know that that's a proper collective of chihuahuas yeah.
2: I don't know how I'm going to separate them can end up having to keep them like because my Finn's my mum's dog so and they just all love each other so the day that they get separated I don't know how I'll do it <laughs> I
0: have to do joint custody or something they yeah. can spend weekends together
2: you yeah. and Laura
0: are clearly incredibly close so I wonder how yeah. competitive it gets and how much it rankles when things happen like just last week where she pinched back that 1500 <laughs> meters national record yeah. is there a bit of banter around that is it quite laid back or you know is it knives out
2: <laughs> no it's quite we have a laugh about it like obviously I took car's last year and I knew she was going to be determined to take it back <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah it's good, it good fun and like then obviously like we're gonna keep on chasing each other's records because if we keep setting them then we're yeah. gonna want to get faster and better so uh yeah I was really happy for her though I was like literally down the front screaming on her because I knew how much she like how hard she's been training and how much she wanted to go sub four because she's now been sub two sub four sub nine and sub 15 for yes, the
0: five
2: so yeah I, so she's like I think she's the first woman to do that indoors
3: yeah uh, because her hands done that. outdoors mm.
2: yeah so yeah I knew how much she wanted to go sub four so like I was literally I sat with Keely and we were literally like I was like she needs to go sub four she needs to go sub four so I was cheering on her the whole way while she broke the record yeah and she broke it
0: by about four seconds so I think she managed that pretty comfortably yeah. You and Laura are really handily kind of a little microcosm for what I wanted to talk about next because just within your training group with Andy, there are two world-class athletes in the pair of you and then also a handful of other seriously capable runners. But British middle distance running right now is just unreal. We were just raving about Elliot Giles' performance last night uh, over the 800 metres. But becoming quite desensitised now to the fact that we have got the most fantastic cohort of middle-distance athletes. Yeah. Firstly, why do you think that is? And secondly, how do you feel about that?
2: So I, th- I think it's because every time an athlete does something, we're like, why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. And why can't I push yourself? And the middle-distance community in Britain just now is amazing like we all go on camps we're all cheering on each other during sessions we're all jumping on each other's sessions pushing each other like and everyone's just so nice and I think yeah like as soon as like Laura came onto the scene in Scotland in particular and Chris O'Hare I remember being like well I can do that like (laughs) if they can do that I can do that and I think it's just the same with everyone going on as well like Oh, everyone's looking at each other and what they're doing and they want to do that like everyone's yeah just I think it's just amazing just like <laughs> and I feel so excited by it mm-hmm. like it makes me so buzzing like even like Keely the other week running 159 amazing. I was like it's amazing like at 18 years old like <laughs> amazing and it just excites me so much for like what we have ahead and I'm so excited for Tokyo because I know how well everyone's doing and how much we're smashing it so
0: it's going to make trials really quite competitive <laughs> yeah. do you think and I have thought this for years now but do you think it's going to mean that we see the fastest trials that we have done in a long time because the only way that you can guarantee a seat on that plane is to finish in the top 2 and I think that the only way to finish in the top 2 for sure is just going to be to run it out of one another
2: is crazy like trials are gonna be so hard like I think I've counted like more girls that like for the 800 like like there's too many of us for the final never yeah. mind like running the final <laughs> like there's so many of us so even like heats are gonna be hard and like when you look at all the, the men's distances and the 15 like it's gonna be hard trials but you thing is you need to come in the top two if you want to be in Tokyo and you want to compete in Tokyo and you want to be up there in Tokyo. Like, if you're not coming up there, like, yeah, it's, mm. it's just so hard. What's nice about that, though, I suppose, is that you can then go into
0: the international competitions feeling really confident because you know that yeah. if you're the best in Britain right now, you are by default amongst the best yeah. in the world, which must be a really nice feeling.
2: When we're all running so well, like, you know, if you're... If you're winning here, then you're winning all over the world because, yeah, the distance running is just crazy.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned the 800 there. Is that what you're going to focus on for the Olympics?
2: I guess, like, when uh, we've never set on anything. Like, we've never, like... And everyone thinks, like, we're having them on, saying, like, we don't know. But, like, we generally don't know. Like, most of the time, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, never mind, like, mm-hmm. in months' time. But uh, I guess, like... So far, like I'm running the best. I'm um, over the hundred, so it would make sense to do the eight. But then, like you just have to watch training for the next few months, cause things change all the time I'm getting stronger all the time, getting faster all the time. So we just have to like wait and see, like what what suits at the time, like of trials. Mm-hmm. Very much
0: eight and fifteen though for you, right? We've I think we've yeah. not run a three for a few years, so I can't no. imagine we'll see you over a five this no. season.
2: Never, never. <laughs> that was so never. Quick. I don't want to do five k ever.
0: And I, d- I really don't
2: like long stuff. Like as I, when I first went to Andy, I was 15, 3 k, like that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and like I've, as I've progressed, my training so much better over eight fifteen. <laughs> I don't want to move up uh yeah I've made it clear that I don't want to move up so I just have to keep running faster over the 800 so I don't need to move up
0: that's motivation I don't know anything that could be more of a carrot slash a stick behind you than the threat of having to move up or try a steeple chase or something else oh
2: no I don't think Andy would let me do a steeple I think I'd just fall over (laughs) I have no coordination no coordination (laughs) I'm good to like keep on my feet on the flat
0: (laughs) Okay, that's good to know. we we'll yeah. the Barry. <laughs> There's no multi yeah. events for Jamariki. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we touched on this just before we hit record, um, but I hope you're happy saying on record the current plan isn't to go to the European indoors, yeah. is it? Might change, yeah, current... but currently not.
2: <laughs> yeah, so the current plan's not. All. We've just got to get our head down think about tokyo and keep healthy keep injury free and everything and yeah i'm just excited for the summer and hopefully traveling will be a bit easier in the summer and stuff like that as well so yeah we're just happy to be at home and train hard
0: (laughs) and if tokyo goes ahead what would success look like for you
2: I really want to be on the podium. I'm like, there's oh, no love lie about that. Good it. View. It took me like a year to admit. <laughs> like, to admit, like, I'm not going to, like, obviously, I'm going to be delighted to become an Olympian because I just, like, it's every athlete's dream. But, like, for me, I'm never happy if I'm not up there and, like, or every athlete goes into a race to win. Like, if MD says otherwise, they're lying because, like, who goes to come fourth? Or, like, I like even get like I even when I'm lying up on that start line I'm gonna be wanting to win it like there's no lying about it but I'll be delighted if I, I win a medal
0: <laughs> I can safely say on behalf of everyone at Backstreet HQ we would be delighted to see you yeah. and goodness knows you've certainly got it in you oh how exciting and I love I like that you've come out and said that I like that you've yeah. got yourself there because having now interviewed you three times for this pod I don't know if the Gemma Riki that I first met hot off the heels of winning that age group Scottish 800 metres yeah. title. <laughs> I don't know if you would have been confident enough to say that. I no. think has been a, a really huge couple of years for you.
2: Yeah, definitely. And like, even thinking like a couple of years back I was probably just going to be like I'll just be delighted to make it onto the team like I don't even know if I'll make the team maybe the next Olympics like and now I'm like no nah, I'm not kidding I want a medal so <laughs> yeah it, it changes a lot and I think it's just grown as a person as well like learning what you're capable of and um yeah like having the confidence and it's definitely last year gave me a lot of confidence.
0: I'm so pleased to hear it. I'm going to finish this off by asking you a couple of quick fire questions. If you could carry that sort of level of confidence and snappiness yeah. into these, this would be great. How many medals out of the available 12 will Team GB athletes win at the Tokyo Olympics? Over 800 and
2: 1500? Oh, too many. Like, I don't even know. I hope everyone does so well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I I reckon one an event would be doable, right? So four medals, there are thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. In one word, Elliot Giles' new eight hundred meter indoor national record was amazing. <laughs> and who is the best Team GB or Great Britain middle distance athlete of all time?
2: Oh, this one's too hard because I like too many people. <laughs> um, well, obviously Kelly Holmes because she done the eight and fifteen double and at watch her races back all the time um yeah i'll say kelly yeah and
0: what about globally if you had to pick a non-british athlete or you might think kelly is the best in the world of all time
2: yeah like i just love kelly because obviously she won the 8 and 15 at the olympics and set the british records i don't think
0: anyone's gonna argue with (laughs) you there and finally is it a legit world record controversial one is it a legit world record if it's been run with pacing lights
2: Oh well yeah I just think it's it's good fun and it's how fast can the human body go like I think it's amazing to see how fast we can go.
0: You are much younger than Jodie and Beo, and I think that that has shown in that final answer because (laughs) they are fogies and they hate them. Oh no. Gemma it's been a total pleasure catching up with you thank you so much for your time and hopefully we can get you back on as an Olympic medalist in the next nine months or so. Fingers crossed. <laughs> hey, this is Neve Emerson, and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys.
1: Gemma Riki is such an exciting talent. I mean, she was amazing as a junior, um, European junior champion, youth champion, junior champion, double champion in the under 23s, right? Um, and then she had that yes. seamless, seamless progression into the senior ranks, which is such a difficult thing to do. And not yeah. just into the senior ranks, but last winter, breaking all kinds of records and being like number one in the world mm. over 800 and 1500 and continuing that throughout the season like she's right up there with the world's best and I think I mean she said she wants to try and get a medal and why not um because and especially if she does the 800 meters which I think is her preferred distance because now there's no Casta Semenya that is a kind of a wide open event I don't think there's anyone who is head and shoulders about everybody else and we talk about it all the time there's always medals to be, in these, to be got in these middle distance races if you race smart.
0: Something we touched upon in our last podcast, looking back at the indoor season so far, is that the times you are now having to run at a uh, global level to win a 1500 metres medal are incredibly quick. They're sort of all-time leading marks. But at Doha, the 800 metres, all the medals were won in between 158 and 159. Mm-hmm. Gemma Rieke is perfectly capable of that. And I know that a championship is a very different scenario. But you're right, it's a much less congested event in terms of what the numbers you have to be putting out there. I think, I don't see why she shouldn't medal at the Olympics if things go well for her in the rounds.
1: Um, I'm actually, I've got to the point now where we've had so much... Um, success of the juniors in the yeah. 1500 and 800 meter on the women's side i cannot remember who's who no i agree so and also especially as Gemma and now keely hodgkinson have done that seamless transition out of juniors into um the senior and you're kind of like, oh hold on what they junior <laughs> last year <And laughs> which, which one won the europeans which one won the Worlds? who did the under twenty well, three? especially as they're all on this also isabel boffy there's also um hayley McClanger. there's like yeah, they all of them got medals at junior level. Um, um, Isabel's, I mean she ran great um, in New York a couple of weeks ago, and she's going to the European Indoors, along with Keely. Britain's 800 metres at the European Indoors, which is coming up, is super, super young. I
0: think Gemma and Keely, their seamless transition was very much helped by what we've touched upon, which is that mentorship and mm. the culture yes. that is being created in British middle distance, because... Gemma has been training with Laura now for years. And as she said there, they lived together yeah. during lockdown. There's such a close relationship there, and she's learning from the very best. And Keely is coached by Jenny Meadows. Yeah. So who's someone who's, you know, very newly retired. So who gets what it is to be a successful international athlete in, you know, 2020, 2021.
1: Just wanted to say about Jenny, who was obviously a really talented athlete, but a really, really, really smart athlete. She always mm. knew how to run races to her best advantage, yeah. and it saw her win global medals indoors and out um, multiple times um, so that's something that I think we've watched Keely Hodgkinson as well at the junior level really knowing how to run a race um, and she I mean she moved up she did that really fast time didn't she where she won and then the week after she I think she came fourth uh, in, a, in a race that Gemma, Gemma ran but it's all a learning experience and going to the and we said once again we say this all the time as well the European indoors is a perfect ground for young athletes to get some experience, but also just get a bit of um, success. Like the European Indoors is, I mean, on the global level is kind of the lowest of the um, ranking of the events. And lots of people can medal at this event. And we've said lots of times about how you get a medal at this event and it helps you for the rest of the season. Like it gets you into races and it gets your confidence up. So I, I'm looking for lots of success um, in those events in the next couple of weeks.
0: It is just such a good way to elevate your name, You're right. so that event organisers, when they are drawing up their invitation lists, they think of you. We said this before we started recording, Jamie Webb won that fantastic silver in glasgow a couple of years ago and now he is racing it seems pretty much at whim which is fantastic because you do some athletes do need to run themselves into fitness and having had a year off particularly i imagine that for some the indoor season is an essential sharpening tool and a way of gauging how their training has been for the last 18 months Mm. but just because you're not getting invited to all the, the big big races and because your name isn't up in lights I don't think it means that you can't quietly be beavering away and (laughs) writing your name into British middle distance history, which is something I think that you might have found out this week, Jodie.
1: I certainly did. I talked to someone who, like, she's so understated, but she's really one of my favourites, and She's, I don't think people recognise how great she is. Seventh all time over the 1500 in the UK. Um, I spoke to Sarah MacDonald.
4: Hi, this is Jenny Simpson
3: and Backstreet's back. All right. <laughs> is that all right? <laughs>
1: Thank you. Welcome to the Backstreet Boys. How are you?
3: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
1: I'm very good. Like, I don't think you've ever been on the show before. We talk about you a lot, but I don't think you've ever been on the show.
3: No, no I haven't actually. This is a first. <laughs> I think it's my first podcast is
1: it yeah we're honored to have you just to let you know that we're big fans of yours on the back straight boys we do talk about you a lot there's like i think there's a tenaciousness to you and the way you race that we really appreciate firstly like it's been a long time obviously with the whole of 2020 not a lot of competitions going out but you didn't compete at all so we haven't seen you since doha of 2019 it's 18 months ago where have you been what have you been up to
3: Oh god, (laughs) I don't know where to start really. Um, I had a very turbulent 2020. Um, I was due to race indoors and I travelled to Boston only to fall ill with what I thought was the bad flu. Um... But now looking back at it, it probably wasn't the flu. (laughs) And that ruled me out of the entire indoor season last year. And obviously then lockdown hit. Of course. And um, I think a combination of lockdown and no therapy was just Mm -hmm. a bit of a big ask for my poor little bunion on my left foot. (laughs) And I just had a a difficult return because obviously I couldn't see a therapist and I was having to guesswork a lot with my foot. So we went for the cautious option when the Olympics were cancelled. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I um, hope to race soon.
1: (laughs) Did, Did you have a change of coach last year as well?
3: Yeah, at the end of last year, I left my previous coach, David Harmer, and I'm now coached by Andy Hobdell. Yeah. And although at the moment I can't really see him because of restrictions, I'm looking oh, forward to actually meeting him. But yeah, oh, he's no. been coaching <laughs> me for about two months now. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: like,
3: you're, like you said,
1: like you, you wanted to do some races this year, but you're not one of those athletes that we see on the Diamond League every week. You're a little bit under the radar. You're a little bit unassuming. Um, and is it a conscious choice to not be racing in the, the, the high profile events or the things like the Diamond League, is it an issue about getting into the races?
3: To be honest, I'd love to race in more, but it's just such an issue when we have such a big talent in Britain mm. to actually get into the races. But um yeah, I always seize the opportunity when they come and like I've always performed well like at Rabat and the British Diamond Leagues I always PB or have a Absolutely. big performance. So I seize the opportunity when they do come. <laughs>
1: Because I think that's something that people don't necessarily realise about you, is how amazing you are. You're seventh all-time on the British list, both at 1,500 metres and the mile. And the names that you're ahead of are like some of the greatest middle-distance middle distance runners that we've ever had. Basically, you're a four-minute 1,500-metre um, runner, and you're a UK champion. And then at the, um, in Doha, you miss the final by one place in that very strange slow race. Do you appreciate how like at what level you're at and you know, very at the very very top of the world level
3: I sometimes think that the way British middle distance is now that you don't yeah. really appreciate <laughs> you, you don't appreciate it because there's always people ahead of you, and like you're always striving just to be the best in Britain, but actually by being the best in britain you you're the best in yeah. the world, which is just the way it goes, so I think I'll probably end my career and look back and be like, "Oh, I was pretty at." Pretty good, actually. But at the moment, you kind of just have to keep pushing. And I guess because Britain is so strong, it makes you push harder as well. Like, we yeah. have to strive to beat the British.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you were second in Britain in 2019, after Laura. I think the 1500 is one of the, if not the most competitive event out there at the moment. You've got people running world records indoors and out. You've got multiple people running sub four. And obviously, you've got all the British British athletes as well. It is a really tough event to be in. So, um, what is like? Where where do you think you can be in? At the, I'm sure at the World Championships, missing the final by one place was like really frustrating. So, is it you want to be getting to finals and like getting right up there, getting medals?
3: Obviously, I was very unlucky at Doha, yeah. and the race just. I'm not a natural born race leader in the best <laughs> of times. And I didn't really know what I was doing or how I got there, but <laughs> that was it. But yeah, I know that I'm striving and I, I fully anticipate that I can make a world final or an Olympic final. And when you're in that final, like anything can happen. Like, yeah, absolutely. If you're an Olympic finalist, you're a potential medalist. And that's just yeah. the way it goes. Like anything can happen. And if the race plays out right, then... Who knows what can happen?
1: I'd forgotten, like, the first 800 was 228. And, like, what, can you, what do you do with that kind of pace? Because you were leading, but it was, it was almost a jog. And then, obviously, it's a big burn-up over the final. What's your preferred race? Do you, do you like a tactical race with a sprint finish? Do you like a, a hard race from the start? How would you like to race?
3: To be honest, I think if that race had been what it was and I wasn't leading, it probably wouldn't yeah. have been so bad for me. But If you I, weren't leading,
1: no one else wanted to. It would have been even slower.
3: <laughs> I know. I just remember getting off the line and being like, oh, I just need to be in a good position. Like, just get close to the front, but not at the front. And then no one came past me. Mm. I was like, oh, a lap's gone by and no one's come past me. <laughs> so it was just, yeah, it wasn't ideal. And I don't think I've actually watched the race back to this day. I think I already know pretty much what happens in my head. But yeah, I think I love a, a race where it burns up towards the end, but probably not when I'm the one being hunted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you have anything to be ashamed of in that race. Like you were beaten by the, what, the eventual gold and silver medalist and like some other like really established fast women. So it wasn't like you ran a bad race. You ran a very, very good race. Once again, it's a little bit misleading because I think you've got, you ran 58 seconds for the fast, last lap. In your race in London, when you set your PB, which is, and you were overtaking everybody down that home straight, and you <laughs> like you missed Costa halven by like hundred two hundredths of a second or something. So that must give you real confidence in your in your ability in a fast race, but also to have a sprint finish.
3: Yeah, that race was actually pretty crazy. I remember going through eight hundred meters, and we were well down on time. The mm. pace was pretty slow, and in my head, I was like, oh well, this will just be a good opportunity to practice that like championship race. And then when I saw the final time of Laura crossing the line, I was like, I actually wasn't that far behind. And I was like, mm. hang on a second. And the time started to come up on the board. <laughs> and I was like, have I broken four? <laughs> I remember it's finding done. the media guy at the time. And I was like, get the list up, get the list up. I want to see what I've ran. <laughs> so yeah, that was a really great race, actually. And I, was, I proved a lot to myself that day. Um, mm. i would had a pretty rough week mentally. And to be able to turn up like that and produce a performance that put me so far on the all-time list was incredible. And knowing my family were there was also amazing.
1: And the people you beat that day as well, or very, came very, very close to beating, must, must really give you a boost of confidence, knowing that you can mix it with that, that quality of athlete.
3: Yeah, definitely. Like It was a, a big confidence boost for me. And to run that time and know you've run it is also something big.
1: So we haven't seen you racing in 2020 and I know you've, you said you've had some injury and illness problems and to change your coach, but how is training now? How has it been going and when will we get to see you run?
3: Yeah, it's been going really well. Um, obviously under a new coaching setup, so things are a bit different and trying to get my strength back up. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to race hope, hopefully in the next few months when restrictions allow, I won't race indoors. Obviously there's not much left now, but, um, hopefully on the roads before track just to, oh, I just want to do something to stand on the start line and put yeah. my race kit on and remember what it feels like to get those nerves. And then I'll open up pretty soon into the summer season, just so I can get my race legs moving again.
1: Because obviously the one thing we've got to think about, about the Olympic year is qualification. I'm, I'm not, I I need to sit down and read them properly because it was one thing. And now obviously with COVID, the, the window in which you can qualify has changed and stuff. So Do your times from 2019 count? Do you have to get them again this year? Can you do it on points, on ranking points, which obviously was suspended at a certain time? So have you thought about that kind of thing and what you need to do to qualify?
3: Yeah, so I'm actually pretty lucky. My time from 2019 stands, so I've run the Olympic standard, um, the IAAF standard as well. So I don't need to think about the time. I just need to make sure that on the day of the trials i'm in the best shape possible and i know that i'm as sharp as i can possibly be
1: talking about the trials the level in the uk is both a blessing and a curse it's a blessing because mixing with those level of athletes obviously brings you to have a standard but having to get through those trials it, it can be a curse which i know is something that you were upset about in 2018 when you go into a trial race what is your mentality how do, do you have a race plan in advance are you waiting for someone else to take it up Do you think about where you are in relation to other people and just finishing in the top two? What's the mentality in a trials event?
3: I guess it's really dependent on the year and like who's in the race, like who's not in the race that still wants to be selected. Mm. What do you have to do? And I don't think you can go in necessarily with one race plan. You have to have like so many different scenarios in your head and be able to react to them accordingly. And I... I often think that I've got quite a good racing brain and I don't necessarily need to be scripted. I normally know the right thing to do. So that's what I try and go. But rather than getting stressed about like, oh, well, I was meant to go at 800 metres to go and we're now at 700 metres to go, etc. Like, just try and remember how you feel at the right time and you'll normally know.
1: And you, are, you were the UK champion in 2019 when you ran a spectacular race and, and beat Gemma. So we're we're looking to for some more of that again in twenty twenty one at the Olympic Trials. <laughs> yep.
3: Yeah, I hope so too.
1: <laughs> Do you have a time in your mind? Would you I mean obviously four minutes is the big barrier in fifteen hundred metres. Is that something you're gonna be aiming for this year?
3: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would love to break four minutes. It was huge for me to break two minutes, and I can thank Lindsay for pacing me on that one. I want to be able to run four minutes, but I also want to run around four minutes consistently. Yeah. You want to be able to go to many different races and be able to run around that time in whatever the race may bring. So that's another goal, really.
1: So you just mentioned the 800 metres, because of course you are sub two minutes at the 800 metres as well. Do you have any plans or goals at the 800 and even running that at a championships?
3: Um, I haven't really thought about running at championships, but I I actually do love the 800. It's probably a more enjoyable event than the 15. (laughs) Um, but no, my goals are mainly in the 15 just to get stronger and hopefully quicker in the eight too, because I find that helps the back end of my 15.
1: And do you have any ambitions in the future to move up the distance at all? Oh,
3: God, no. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I suspect that I might try a 3K at some point, but I'm not sure you'll ever see me do a 5K.
1: <laughs> no. okay. Thank you so much for having a chat with us today. And I've got some just quick fire questions to finish off with. Oh God. So we've got such strong um, middle distance runners across both the men's and the women's at the 800 and 1500. In Tokyo, there's a total of 12 medals available across both distances male and female how many medals will the uk get in the middle distances in tokyo
3: i'm gonna shoot high and go for three
1: yes i like i like that confidence and i hope you're i hope you're including yourself with that three
3: (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what's the one
1: word that comes to mind when you think about elliot giles's new national record in the Uh um 800 meters
3: spectacular that was the most magnificent run i've ever seen i was just in awe of like how he attacked the race sorry that was more than one word but he deserves no, more than one word <laughs> it deserves,
1: right. and i think for me it wasn't just the time it was the people he beat the amount he beat them by just a, a really a really all-around great race so
3: yeah it was just the way he attacked it as well like yeah. Jamie really pushed him and he probably has Jamie to thank for running that yeah. quick because I don't think he'd have gone that soon and Jamie ran an amazing race too yeah. and it's just hard when he ran under the British record but it's not the British record anymore <laughs>
1: <laughs> But I mean everybody's running so well it's, it's really great to watch Who is, The question is actually who's the best British middle distance runner of all time but I'm going to change that a little bit Who's your favourite British middle distance runner of all time?
3: Oh, I think Kelly Holmes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I was lucky enough to be in the stadium that night. And um, I oh. think I can still... I might be slightly deaf from the screaming. It was it was just <laughs> a great, a great night. And who's your favourite global middle-distance runner
3: of all time? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I'd still probably say Kelly. Like, I looked up to her <laughs> so much, like, growing yeah. up. And she's British, so...
1: <laughs> and I think she's one of the reasons that we have such amazing middle distance runners right now because she was such an inspiration. And success breeds success, which we've seen ever since. Yeah. She's a good choice. Um, Now, a couple of recent controversial issues. Yes or no, what do you think of pacing lights?
3: Uh, Yes.
1: Uh, I hate them. (laughs) I'm not an athlete. If I was an athlete, I'd probably love them.
3: (laughs) I think that I've been in races with pacing lights, but I've never looked at them. Like, I, I don't know why mm. I said yes, but it is good as, like, being able to see if they're on track, especially the longer distance yeah. races.
1: I understand that the appeal of them, I just don't like them for world records. I think it's almost like running a different event so, than, the, than the past. So just for me, not for me. And lastly, this, we had Paula Radcliffe on a couple of weeks ago talking about an issue that has been controversial that's been going on over the winter. What are your thoughts on equal distances across country for men and women?
3: Well, I would never run a 10K cross-country, so absolutely not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for chatting with us. Um, you are, as I said, one of our favourites here at the Backstreet Boys. And we wish you all the best for the summer and we hope to see you in that Olympic final and under four minutes. <laughs>
3: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is Jess
2: Jad and you're listening to the Back Straight Boys.
3: Jodie, you said she's
2: never
1: been on before. She has actually. Well, that's, I know, she, she reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK, because I, I spoke to her at the trials, I don't know if it was probably 2019, I think, because yeah. we, were, we were just very excited because, as you say, we we love, we love her, so... She said to me after the recording that we had spoke to her before, and we'd said to her then how like she is kind of underappreciated, and that we appreciate her. And I think that there is something about her personality that's just very quiet, and she's just like you said, Claire, just quietly getting on with it and being successful. But I'd love to see her do a little bit, maybe go to it, like go to the indoors. I mean, it's she, she couldn't this year, but because that's the kind of event where she could potentially win. And that would really kickstart yeah. her ability to get into big races and stuff like that. So maybe it'll be world indoors next year. But we've got the European Cup in the summer. Events like that, she's she's a potential winner of those kind of events. So yeah. I really hope that we can see her in some of those. She said she's going to start the year early, do some street races. Yeah, that's So, you that's know, if you get some good results there, yeah. Get some, maybe get into a BMC early in the year. Like, set it up for yourself. I think she's, like, when you're the seventh all-time a four-minute runner in the UK, I think you should... Throw a bit of weight around and get into one of those races. Get someone to pace you. (laughs) (laughs) Get a really fast time at the beginning of the year and get high up the rankings.
0: There are a few people like that who do fly under the radar just because personality-wise, they'd rather crack on and Mm. hustle and then let their results speak for themselves. We haven't even mentioned her yet, but she's a proper pod favourite. Shalena Oskin clark is mm, so yeah. softly spoken, but a formidable athlete and one of the best that we've ever produced. You've also got the likes of Alex Bell, Adele Tracy, Ailish McColgan's obviously moving up through the distances, but she ran the Olympic qualifying standard over 1500 meters last year. We're
1: absolutely hmm. spoiled <laughs> for choice. And she ran a 30, 58, 10K on the roads, which is I think one yeah, second below her mum's best. So <laughs> how painful. She'll. I'm guessing she'll be doing the ten this year, um, as well as or if or if maybe together with the with the five. Um, and the talk is that she, the further up the distance, the better she gets. So, I'd be really great to see her over a really hard um, mm. track race at the ten k. So, but we're talking about middle distance today, aren't we?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it really is an abundance of riches, and I think that's the case globally. But once you're in a final, once you have a lane at a championship like that really anything can happen and i can't remember which one of you first used the expression but i parrot it all the time and that is the 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 phenomenon of the sneaky bronze yeah
4: <laughs> it's an
0: american speciality but we see yes. it time and again there will be the bolters out the front who've taken you know run the legs of everybody else or the ones who've got the quickest final 200 meters on them there's always someone in stars and stripes just tying up that bronze medal
1: can I say? I think the expression "sneaky bronze." I think in Jody will know this. It comes from the ninety-nine or two thousand World Championships when the mm-hmm. idea is we left. I think we left Donna or Kathy, um, kathy um, Kathy Freeman, Kathy Mary I out of Mary. the team, out of the team for the rounds. Was it ninety-nine? It sounds like, no, because it, it, it was one of those. Yeah, and the the presenters. The, no, the, the UK coach, we didn't get to the final. So it may have been, it may have been, yeah, we didn't get to the final. And the idea is we'd left Kathy off out of the rounds because we'd put her in for the final and get a sneaky bronze. And of course we didn't even make it to the final because we needed all our people into the in, in the um, rounds to get through. But um, yeah, that's I think that's where the name comes from. We've repurposed it to talk about middle distance medals. Yeah. But there is a phenomenon of people that you don't, Really know, or who are not like the top, top, top of the world of sneaking a bronze. And I could like name it going back through the all time, back to the 90s. Um, like, who's that South African, Cronje, is it? Who got a bronze like in 2013 or 15? Like, there's all kinds of uh, Leonard Manzano, there's all kinds Man of. And Centrovitz,
0: one of the classics. Sne- yes, well, sneaky gold. a sneaky gold. That was a sneaky gold. <laughs> God, so it was. Sorry, I've massively undersold your achievement there, Matt. <laughs> sneaky gold.
1: <laughs> but yeah, if you play it right, if you're smart, if you pace yourself well in a middle distance race, everyone's dying down the home straight and if you could be smart about it, there's always a, there's always an opening for a medal.
0: And someone that we also spoke to, our final guest of our fantastic trio of middle distance athletes is somebody who's got now two international bronzes. She's got a Commonwealth over the 1500 meters and a European indoors over the 3,000 meters. and she's only getting quicker because she just seems to churn out fantastic performances and uh bea i'll let you introduce her because you enjoyed the conversation with her
1: i did very much it was great to speak to melissa courtney bryant
3: hi i'm kathy freeman and you're listening to the backstreet boys No.
1: hi so first of all um big big um welcome to the backstreet boys is this, this your first time on have we ever spoken to you before
4: no, yeah, this is my first time, so yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, great.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on. We, we really wanted <laughs> you on because, obviously, the women's middle distance have been so exciting for the last couple of years, and certainly they've started off this year in really, really great form, everybody. Um, but last year, of course, was a bit of a, bit of a weird one, wasn't it? How did, how did you get on in 2020? Um,
4: it, I mean, yeah, it was a really tough one, um, but I think the best thing for me was I just tried to keep to a routine, Um, obviously I couldn't go to the track and the gym, but I just kind of made do, you know, we had weights in our shed I was doing gym in my garden. Um, obviously my husband as well, helping me a lot. We're going on the bike, um, keeping me company, measuring out like grass loops to do like a track session. Um, so yeah, I just kind of just kept going and I was like, you just got to adapt. Everyone's in this situation. Everyone has to do adapt. Um, and I knew there was going to be races or I hoped there would be at some point. So I just kept focusing on that. And I thought if there wasn't races, then the Olympics is still going to happen next year. I need to be ready so that was just my motivation the whole time
1: it must be helpful to have as you said your husband is an elite athlete in south ashley Bryant, to decathlete um it must be great to have someone like that around so many people couldn't train with partners or weren't able to go into training groups so having him around must have been really really helpful
4: yeah he's really good and especially the days where i'm just like really tired i'm dozy, like you know your motivation is a little bit low and he's he's really good to like push me so that's great and he doesn't normally, when he's obviously been training, he hasn't come out on all the runs with me, but um, through Lockdown, because I was on my own, he came and cycled with me. So, you know, even the 15-mile runs, he was
1: cycling with me, which was great. Um you did manage to get some races in last year and extremely good races as well. You got um, PB in the fifteen you're down to 401, which is like really, really world-class, <laughs> isn't it? So something good did come out of last year.
4: Yeah, I was over the moon with that. And initially, I wanted to do the Monaco 5K race. So I'd heard that was happening and I was like, that's that's my focus, I want to get into that race. And unfortunately, I just, my agent just couldn't get me in. Like, it just wasn't having any of it. There was too many, like, world-class athletes that wanted to do it. So probably, like, less than two weeks before that, we quickly changed our plans. And I was like, right, where's there a 1500? Where's there another race? Any race, I just don't care. Um, and then I went to the race in Finland and ran the 403. Um, so, yeah, I was over the moon with that. I was like, just, you have to just take the opportunities you get. And whatever races were coming, and it seemed to be lots of 15s. Yeah. So we just decided to switch up a little bit. And
1: um, you certainly had a great, indoor season so far this year I mean you were in that crazy crazy world record race in Levant like yeah. a couple of weeks back um, where I mean Sede went off so fast that we all thought it was a bit of a joke and you obviously didn't didn't follow um, and you've come out with with a PB um, Laura was second in a British record um, when you're in a race like that do you like just not take notice of what's going on right, right at the front because like it would be crazy and you'd probably blow up or where's your headspace when, when something like that happens?
4: So before the race, I got told by my agent there was going to be two pacemakers. Right. There was going to be one which was Sege's, like personal pacemaker. And we got told that was 2.02. Um, and for me, like, I mean, my eight hundred PB is only 2.04. <laughs> so I know that's... I'm, I hope they can run quicker than that. But, you know, 2.02 and A15 is very quick. So I knew to ignore that. But we got told Josephine, the Kenyan, was actually going to run 2.08, um, which is four-minute pace. So uh, Laura even confirmed that with me. She was like, yeah, she's doing that um so that should be the main pace so when obviously, she we went off um and both pacemakers were in front of sege i was like what's going on um so that was a complete surprise to me and i think for laura as well because she anticipated to have a pacemaker take her to a king so um it was a bit weird and i just kind of thought i need to just judge this myself and all the other girls obviously just piled up behind me and i think they thought oh this girl's going at a great pace so we're just gonna follow um, and I went through the first 200 and about 31 and I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely made the right call not going with them. Um, cause I think they went through in 58 for 400, which, you know, is 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 amazing. It's so fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely made the right decision, but I did feel like I was almost doing a time trial. I was kind of just focusing on Laura in front of me and yeah, just literally focusing on the back of her head, but obviously she was too far ahead for me to be with her. Um, so yeah, it did feel like a time trial scenario. <laughs>
1: It's interesting you say that because it did feel like there was pacemakers at the front and a second group, whereas Laura was kind of stuck between the two, wasn't she? So did they not have a, they didn't have a specific pacemaker for her. She kind of got stuck between the, in the middle of it.
4: Um, No, yes. The pacemaker that was supposed to be for Laura um, decided, I don't know, she decided last minute didn't do it, well, she see. just went ahead with Sege. Um, we don't know if that was like the plan or what the initial thing was, but I think when Laura went off, she was just a bit confused because that pacemaker was supposed to be in front of her. And I thought, if there's a pacemaker in front of Laura, then there's Laura, I can just sit yeah. off that a little bit and that will be perfect. Like 208 was still a bit quick, I thought, for me at this time of year, but I probably would have committed a little bit more. But knowing the pacemaker wasn't in front of Laura, and I was like, oh, I can't get on her because I'm, I'm too scared it's gonna be too fast. And I haven't really done much speed work. Well, I haven't done any speed work. We've just been focusing on the 3K. So I thought it was going to be a shock to run quick anyway. Um, and going through 65s felt quick for me.
1: Well, it was certainly it was PBs all round. So it all, all's well, that yeah. ends well, doesn't it? Um, we, have, we have the European indoors coming up. Are you, are you planning on doing that? Uh,
4: unfortunately, no. So after the 1500 oh. in um, Lieven, I actually got a sore foot, um, which was a really, yeah, it was a really big shame. Like I took a few days off and then I got back running and we thought it was fine but tried to do a session and it just it just wasn't quite right so we just need to take a little bit more time and take some more rest and you know I can't just keep pushing with euro indoors like two weeks away it's just too much of a risk and with the olympics in the summer I just had to focus on that but yeah it's really hard because I really wanted to go there you know to win a medal so yeah I'm pretty gussed
1: so what are your ambitions for for 2021?
4: Um, I just yeah I want to be in the olympics and make that Olympic final. So yeah, that's the main goal. I mean, to make the team for the British team is such a hard task anyway. So I think trying to make sure you're top two at trials. I've already got the qualifying time for the 5K. So, you know, I'll probably, hopefully try and find another 5K when it opens up the season. Um, If that's possible, we'll see what races are available. Um, And then, yeah, just get top two at trials. That's, you know, just make sure you get the easy, just top two, no questions. You're just in that team and you know you're going. And then, yeah, the aim would be to make the final.
1: And you said the 5k there, so is it the 5k that you're aiming for, or would you consider doing the 1500 as
4: well? Uh, well, I wouldn't do both, because they definitely don't work on the timetable, but um, the 5k is a priority, and that's kind of the way I tend to train, I could train for that. I think the 1500s have happened really well for me, just off the mileage and the 5k work, and I think they do complement each other really well. So I would definitely race 1500s in the summer, but I think the focus will be the 5k, But it would be, you know, it's nice to have a backup as well and um, have another event, especially with like the caliber of the ladies out there. You never know. Is the 1500 going to be stacked? Is the 5k going to be stacked? I mean, they all are across 800 up to marathon. So, um, yeah, it's nice to keep my options open just in case.
1: It really is like an embarrassment of riches that the UK has at the moment. And you you know that if you can make it into the team, then you really, really deserve to be at the the World Championships, at the Olympics. You know, you're you're definitely world class if you can just make it into the British team. Um, You say that the, um, the timetable doesn't work for the 1500 and the 5k, is that right?
4: Yeah, I think it means that you would have to do like a 1500 heat before the 5k final on the same day um so I mean someone like Sifan Hassan that might she might do that um and other people but yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't take that risk
1: and it also means maybe that both, both the lawyers are gonna have to make that decision as well aren't they so. yeah
4: definitely and I don't know where the 800 sits so I don't know whether yeah Gemma and Laura Muir could do that double I'm not sure and then I know the yeah. 5k is ahead of the 10k so which is quite un- unusual actually normally you have the 10k first so that might change people as well
1: because That's the thing, we've got so many people who can double up, you know. Gemma and Laura, or both Laura's, and yourself and Ailish. Yeah. It could work out you all, you all easily make the team if it all slots together to work well. But if it all comes together and people want to double up and that, it's going to get quite quite tricky, isn't it? The global standard right now, in the last couple of years, um, especially sort of if you think of the world championships back in 2019 when um, Sifan Hassan ran crazy times, we just had um, Sege, as you say, last week running crazy times. Um, where what do you as, as an athlete yourself, when you're in races like that, or you see races like that, what does it make you think? Do you think you can reach those times? Do you think that you're just going to have to become more sort of tactically aware? What does it make you think as, a, as an athlete watching that? I
4: think the 3:53. I, I actually didn't even know she ran that fast. I, mean, I was sat on the track after the race with Laura, and I think Laura pointed to show me the time. I was, you know, so oblivious because I was just <laughs> waiting for my time to come up, and I saw Laura ran 3:59. Yeah. So I was so happy for her. And then I was like, oh, 353, wow, like you just, yeah, I didn't see that coming. And, you know, I've raced Sege quite a few times. I've actually beaten her, I think, in Carlser a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's different. I think you just shows that, you know, athletes are coming through, aren't they, at um, different levels, I guess. But the 1500 is just, yeah, it's becoming something so different. You can't just run 359 now, can you? It's win a medal, you know, the girls at the World Championships were running, what, 354 missed a medal. I think they came fourth. I think it was Shelby, Houlahan. So, um, yeah, that makes it really tough, I think. And I do think in Doha, it probably maybe was a bit skewed because, obviously, the conditions apparently were perfect. Um, I wasn't in the stadium, but they said it was aircon. It was, you know, the perfect temperature. So maybe that was just, you know, one of those magical races where everyone runs super quick.
1: I also think and we've seen it time and time again, that especially in the fifteen hundred, there's there's medals to be had. Um it very much depends on people's tactics. Um those really clever runners, your Jenny Simpsons, you know, are always there and thereabouts. It doesn't matter if you run super fast, you know she's gonna get into the mix. So there's medals to be had.
4: Yeah, Jenny is someone I've like admired for years. So, you know, I've loved watching her race. Um and she just tactically gets it right. Um and I think that's a thing you just need to be tactically aware, and that's what I've worked on the last couple of years across the fifteen, three K and five is getting myself in better positions, being more aware of my competitors because it, sometimes it, it slows the race, it comes down to the final laps and it all depends if you're in a good position. Um, so yeah, I, just, I try and think about that a lot more than I used to.
1: Well, you mentioned the race in Karlsruhe, I think in 2019, which I will always remember. That's the, that's the race that really put you on the map as far as I'm concerned because you basically outkicked a whole field of um, Ethiopians and I remember like, being, <laughs> what's, going what's going on? So it shows that anything, anything can happen on a last lap, can't it?
4: yeah I came back from well I came straight from Kenya to there, so I'd been training for four weeks, and when we're at that high altitude, we actually don't run that fast because we're at eight thousand feet, so we're doing a lot of endurance, a lot of work. I think I was just so aerobically strong. Um, the speed just happened. But yeah, I think my last lap was like a 29. Even I was like, wow, (laughs) I was really shocked by that. But my coach was watching it um, at home, Rob, and unfortunately his stream just stopped. um, with like, Yeah, with a lap to go. And he was like, oh, no, like trying to get it back on. Apparently his daughter was, you know, dad, what are you doing? (laughs) And then he just suddenly had like his phone pinging from like um, to some of his friends. And he was like, oh, she's won, hasn't she? And I've missed it (laughs) because everyone was texting him. So he was a bit cussed. He missed the last lap.
1: So that's Rob Denmark is your coach, who's a British yes. middle distance um, legend. You must you're in very good hands there, I suppose.
4: Yeah. So he's been coaching me. I think it's exactly four years now. Um, so yeah, I've come on such a long way with him. Um, yeah, he's great. We get on really well, which is a really nice relationship.
1: Uh, now i have just got some quick, quick fire questions for you. yeah. So don't don't think about them too much. just okay. um, Just give me like some rapid answers of what you think the, the answer may be. Team GB at the Olympics in the men's men's and women's eight and fifteen hundred meters. How many medals are we going to get?
4: I, I would say two. Two.
1: That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, Elliot Giles, discuss.
4: Oh, I think Elliot's great. Um, yeah, you know, I've been a big fan of Elliot for years. And I've been at the races with him recently, obviously in Carl's and in um, Leeuwen. And he's just such a good racer. And he's, he's really coming into good form now. So I'm excited to see what he did. That 143 was just amazing. <laughs> but he works, you know, he works really hard. He's really dedicated. So it's, it's so deserving.
1: Yeah it's really good to see isn't it when someone's been around like a while and is really coming coming together. Who is Britain's best middle distance runner of all time?
4: Oh that's so hard. Um, See oh oh, I don't know see I want want to say um, Laura Muir I know she hasn't won you know Olympic or world medal yet but she's just been up there consistently you know she's won 355 she's got that British record she's phenomenal over the 800 and I think Laura coming through really has inspired the other generation. Like, I mean, I know um, I'm similar age to her and some of the other girls, but I think her pushing through has really motivated and pushed everyone else on. So um, I'm going to say her.
1: That's really interesting you say that, because that was something I was going to come to, actually, that there's been so much um, great... British um, runners in the last few years and what do where do you think that comes from
4: um yeah I don't know I mean I guess lots of us are the generation like for me I grew up like loving watching Kelly Holmes, Paula Radcliffe um you know reading their books um I wasn't part of the Kelly Holmes like future stars program things like that so I guess we got inspired through that and I think it's just when someone makes that breakthrough. So I think Laura making that breakthrough and making those finals and actually pushing for the medals, it makes everyone else realise it's possible. Um, and it's just a domino effect. Um, and you see that across, you know, the 8, 15, 5K in men and women. That they all, like, as soon as one person does well, they all just start, like, fighting. Because, you know, it gets harder and harder to make the teams. Um, right. It's like the men's 1500 for the boys. It's so competitive. Like, you, you can't predict who's going to make that team.
1: I think also when you see someone from your home country, it becomes believable doesn't it it's something you can can aspire to and if it's co- coming from from Ethiopia or Kenya it maybe feels like it's untouchable but when you, it's someone you know and you you train with or or see all the time it must feel like it's actually reachable
4: yeah definitely and I think because you know i have known like the girls at like Laura and uh, Waitman, Muir, Eilish all of them you know I've seen them racing all these people for quite a long time it's yeah it's nice and I've been on camps with them I see how hard they work so yeah I think we all just everyone inspires each other which is great
1: yeah now one last Question, which is a contentious issue in the Backstreet Boys studios. Pacing lights, yay or nay?
4: I love them. Um, (gasps) Yeah, because I've experienced them. So I think they have a place. So championship races, no. Um, But they are, uh, I did like them. So I had them in Nijmegen, which I think is one of the first events that did them in 2018. And it was great because it just did the European qualifying time. So it was just really nice because the pacemaker wasn't doing a very good job. So it was nice to have that to focus on. But yeah, I can see why people can't like them.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think our issue is if you're using them for, uh, as a in a Grand Prix, if you're using them for um, qualifying standards or something, yeah, great. Um, mm-hmm. I have an issue with it becoming a world record. I think that um, you're basically being paced the whole way around, which you couldn't have by an actual pacemaker. So I just kind of think that's, that's dodgy. Yeah, that's
4: true. I think the thing I find it hard as well, obviously for women, like we can't have a male pacemaker because um, that doesn't count. And I always find that's really frustrating, because I'm like, the boys aren't piggybacking me around, like, you know, I'm working hard to do the race. So whether it's a man or a woman, I think it should be the same. But I do understand a man can obviously pace you a lot longer. Um, but someone, you know, maybe like Supan Hassan, for her to get a woman pacemaker who's going to do a, a, you know, be able to go that far, it's going to be difficult. Um, but yeah, I do like the pace lights in certain races. Championships, obviously, no. <laughs> But um, they they did have their place. For me, when I was trying to qualify, it was really nice to have that like okay, that's European standard kind of thing. Um, so I think they do have their place, like in a BMC or something like that, like those kind of Grand Prix races.
1: Thank you so so much for speaking to us today. Um, we wish you all the best this year. Fingers crossed the, the Olympics happens, and fingers crossed you you make the team in the final. So thank you um, very much. Thanks so much for coming on.
4: No, it's lovely to come on. Take two. Okay,
1: take two. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to the Backstrike Boys. Yay!
1: <laughs> it's so interesting hearing, to, hearing from Melissa, and the fact yeah. that you can't do a 1500-5000 double might just open things up a little bit, because obviously if everyone was in the same race, if we had Laura, Laura, um, Sarah, Eilish, um, um, Melissa, and others, because we don't know who else is going to come out of the woodwork, in the 1500... Um, that's like a real scramble for places, um, and the same with the with the eight hundred. Um, but if if we can spread that that talent across the distances, maybe everyone's going to come out happy. Well, the interesting thing is going to be whether Laura Waitman decides for the fifteen hundred or the five thousand. Five, sure. Yeah, I would guess the five. Which well, oh, mean, you would think so, but as you say, she could very easily make the final of 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 both. Um, and then Laura yeah. presumably now can't do the fifteen hundred five, so will she do the fifteen hundred eight, or will she stick with the fifteen hundred? Gemma said to you she's probably only doing the eight hundred. Melissa said to me she's probably only doing the the five the five thousand. So it could like the the places could fit, couldn't they?
0: They could, but it's not going to stop trials being absolutely no. fantastic. No.
1: And that's also without anyone else coming out of the woodwork, of you know, people we haven't anticipated. So who knows who's going to start like knocking big chunks of their PB once we start racing.
0: So with trials in mind, how do you think, we asked our interviewees this, but what do you think is the best way to approach them? Do you think that oh. if you are Gemma Rieke and you want to go to the Olympics to run the 800 metres, she's obviously got the qualifying time, does she just treat it like a time trial, you know, accept that it's going to be painful
1: and just beat
0: everyone? Is that the way to play it?
1: Yes. I, what well, I think the thing is, 800 is different, to, is different tactically than mm. the 1500, isn't it? Um, the, it's, it's really tough in the 800. You don't want... you. Oh, I don't know, <laughs> that is the answer. But the 800, the women's 800, is, is going to be really tough because there's going to be multiple people yeah. with that qualifying time. With both, so for sure. So it, it's whoever gets... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but more so, I think, in the 800 because we've, we've named a lot of them. Shalena, Adele um alex bell um, um uh, what's her name seagrove um who ran really really fast the other year and then you've got Gemma, then you've got laura um and you've got keely isabel. and you've got um like all and isabel like that's eight already and that's i'm sure i've missed a I missed a few there um
0: although the olympic standard is one fifty nine fifty for the 800 meters so we actually we had uh, three between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Three athletes with the Olympic qualifying standard over the eight, but five over the fifteen hundred because it's actually only four. Oh, and that is a
1: big difference in quality. Very big difference. Huge. And, but don't forget uh, but also the, the, se- it's not the just season about is young. Qualifying time. Yeah, exactly. And if we mm. added in twenty nineteen times as well, which I think are probably quite relevant, but also it's not just to do with um qualifying times is it it's also about placings on the IRLF which is going to throw a whole nother spanner in the works but I think you really have to look at who's got the qualifying time um on the day and then make a decision whether you want to run away from people or whether you can got a better sprint um, I don't know it's not but we'll have to I mean beforehand mm-hmm. they're gonna have to really think seriously about how to run that race
0: because you, I can't remember which of our interviews it was, he said it, but the worst thing would be to head home from trials knowing that you hadn't gone hard mm. enough. You hadn't given, you hadn't made the right decision and done yourself yeah. justice. We've talked about it time and time again, but surely if you are a Laura Muir, a Gemma Rieke, and you know that the selectors will pick you if you tick yeah. those two big mandatory boxes, it for me, and I'm not an athlete, so I don't know, but that just feels like a no-brainer. Laura Muir can come in the top two in the country if she runs fast without even reaching right into her box of 1,500 yeah. metre tricks. She can just do that. Yeah. So I, it feels to me in a year this important, having gone through COVID and lockdown to be here. You really, you want to be on that plane. I was
1: talking to Sarah, as you know, on, on about her semi-final in uh, Doha. where well, she came sixth and... Like, she's one place away from getting to the final. And that was a crazy race. She ran to the front and thought someone's going to take it up. No one took it up. She ended ended up jogging round for two laps in 228 pace, which is like funeral pace. And then there's that big (laughs) burn-up at the end. If she hadn't been leading, she's got a great kick, which I think we don't even realise how good her kick is. But because she'd been leading, it put herself in a vulnerable position. So but what do you do in that situation do you run slower and hope someone overtakes you because no one else wanted to take it up so do you run faster and like I don't know <laughs> it's so tough but she she didn't do her, she did herself I think she did herself justice the people who beat her were great great athletes including the gold and silver medalists so it's not like she ran badly but it's a very tough decisions to be made um, especially at the world level and the trials there's even more pressure I feel because you're expected to to get in and you must all be expected to get in <laughs>
0: suddenly British athletes are being faced with or kind of being exposed to the realities of being a sprint hurdler in the US
1: Mm, or
0: being a distance runner in Ethiopia or Kenya or something you're suddenly realizing you know or being an American shot putter you're suddenly thinking hey it's actually if I can just make it out of my selection process domestically I'll be in a final globally if I get fortunate with injury and I'm on a start line fit and fresh.
1: Mm. Yeah I always think American female hurdlers and Kenyan steeplechasers are the two, like, most unfortunate athletes in, um, are the two sets of both unfortunate athletes in athletics, aren't they? Because, um, mm. just getting out of your, um, getting out of your country's selection is probably harder than the final.
3: Hi, it's KJT and you're hey. listening
0: to the Backstreet Boys. What is for certain, though, is that the future is bright and there is such cause for optimism, which I think was reflected in the fact that they all thought we would leave with multiple medals from the Olympics in the men's and women's 800 and 1500 metres. Did you agree with that sentiment?
1: I've I hesitated I think there's lots yeah. of chances there's lots of chances mm. but like it's a championship so who knows what's gonna who knows what's gonna happen it might end up that no one gets to a final because like it's gonna be tough it's gonna be really tough but if they're smart I, I'm not sure about three medals across four events but I think there's a I, I'd probably say two I think we can get two yeah yeah two sounds two sounds sen- sensible um but until we see the team, it's very hard mm. to say because um, if Laura only decides to do one event or Gemma, etc., then that halves the amount of medals potential, doesn't it? So if Laura doubles up, we have more medal chances than if she doesn't, etc. cetera. So um, it's hard to say at the moment. But if you think about it, everyone who's in that team has got final potential, yes. haven't they? Yeah.
0: Well, 100%. one of the people that I would say the odds are in their favour is Jake Whiteman. He's someone who I would always count on in a championship to execute. But all of a sudden gone from sort of being one of the great hot prospects of British middle distance running to somebody that perhaps we we could hang a, hang a medal somewhere close to them, come the Olympics, is uh, Elliot Giles. Ah.
1: <laughs> and I just
0: think, I know this is a women's middle distance special, but we have to touch upon that national record because it was silly good.
1: I didn't even realise, 143, 63, is it 64? Um, I didn't realise how fast that was. So when <laughs> it finished and they said the second fastest ever, I was like, what? Um, it's just It was just crazy. And he looks so in control. That's the thing that looks so great about it. He just looks like he's got everything covered, doesn't he? He ran that super, super fast time, but at no point in the race did he seem bothered. At no point did he seem that anyone was going to catch him. He just felt like everything was coming together, which is a great thing to happen in Olympic year. Sorry, I'm going to be a little bit controversial. I think we can't talk about all these fast times without talking about these shoes. And I know, I know, I'm not, I, I'm not against the shoes. I'm not against the technology at all. But I do think we have to acknowledge where these, some of these times are coming from. Now, that doesn't mean that these athletes aren't training super hard and running super smart. And I'm more impressed by Eric Giles' style of running and how much he beat other people by than the time, because I think we, instead of criticising the shoes and the athletes, I think we as fans have to re-look at what what we consider to be fast times, because there's been a shift in what fast times are now. And when, um, was it Mark Scott who ran 13.10, the 27.10 for the 10K, um, yes. and obviously Elliot just run really fast, brilliant, I'm really pleased they're running these times, but maybe one forty three indoors. Isn't 143 indoors two years ago, and we have to look at it more well, as a one. Maybe we'll know in a couple of years time. Yeah, but um, I just, I yeah, just I mean, feel like at it's, the it's moment, hard to say at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Tim Hutchins is getting a lot of stick on Twitter because he keeps banging on about these things. Like, we need to acknowledge the shoes, and I don't, and I'm, I'm sure he's not complaining about the times. He's saying, could we please acknowledge where these times are coming from? And Jamie Webb had a really interesting article that he wrote today. Um, that it's all over Twitter. He's saying these shoes are brilliant. These shoes mm. I stopped training it I've stopped using them in training because I don't know where I am because they give me so much advantage and I love that honesty because he ran it he broke the old British record last week um and he like he's gone like seven full time or something and to acknowledge that yes I'm training really hard yes I've really worked to, for this but I am also getting an advantage and we if we compare these times to times from 5 ten 20 years ago it's it's not a a same to same comparison. So we should should, um, celebrate these times and athletes should celebrate having run these times, but I think we do need a little bit of an acknowledgement about what's going on at the same time.
0: I don't think I've done enough research yet into the difference between these shoes and the existing spikes. I understand that there are plates that mimic the shape of your foot and that aid with not propulsion, but perhaps uh, being less sort of flat and hard to the floor as old spikes were. I understand all of that and that, you know, the the Adidas one hasn't yet landed and it's not available yet to use in races, etc. But I I don't feel well enough place to comment on it. So you're right. Maybe what we should do is go, hey, Elliot Giles, whatever he's doing is working. He looked silky smooth, super powerful, very in control of everything, very confident and comfortable in his running. And he is routinely dropping quick times now. And so I think he's someone we can get really legitimately excited about.
1: Just for comparison, Nick Willis, who knows a thing or two about middle distance running, thinks that they give you two seconds per mile. In time trials that he's been doing, he was shocked to see how fast he's going. If we extrapolate that out, that's one second over 800 metres. It's like 12, 13 seconds over 10k. I'm not saying we, we add times on, add seconds on, but just to give it a little bit of perspective.
0: Athletes do seem to be embracing change, I think, in many ways more than those of us watching from the sofas, which is quite interesting. I did laugh when listening through the interviews with our guests this week that all three of them are much bigger fans of pacing lights than the pair
1: of you. <laughs> I think they're coming in from a different perspective. When we say to them yes or no to pacing lights, they're not thinking about it like um, comparing with like the history of athletics. They're not thinking about the advantages that's given to world records. They're thinking from a, a personal perspective. And they all mentioned about um, qualifying times, didn't they? And I don't think any of us here have a, have a problem with pacing lights being used for a qualifying time. It's when you're going to break a world record which didn't have that advantage in the past. That's where we have a problem. And so we're probably talking about slightly different things.
0: Well, however much they might have rankled you with their thoughts on technological innovations, we are very grateful to Sarah Macdonald, Gemma Riki, and Melissa Courtney Bryant for their time and wish them all the best. For 2021, I've no doubt that there's great things to come from all three of them this season.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, can't wait.
0: Hi, I'm Dalila
3: Mohammed, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys.
0: Much as last week's episode was, this Backstreet Boys and Girl edition is sponsored by Runner's Need. Yes. Our favourite apparel shop who offer gait analysis and tried and tested Uh, equipment and apparel from the very best brands and anyone listening to this podcast we implore you to go and check out what they have for sale because if it is a full price item and not an electronical you can pop back straight in at the checkout and get a whole 15% off your order which is certainly not to be sniffed at and this week we thought that we would just briefly touch upon the way that running makes us feel emotionally, mentally, psychologically, rather than the obvious, which is that it leaves us physically
1: absolutely knackered. (laughs) (laughs) So so Claire, you're a much more active runner runner than us at the moment. So what's what's your motivation for running?
0: You can buy off Etsy a t-shirt that says, I run to burn off the crazy. Mm. Now the term crazy might not be the most politically correct or nuanced way of putting it, but I can really empathise with that. If I've had a bad day, if I feel het up, if I've not had enough fresh air... If I just feel like I've been cooped up inside in the last year, there's has brought more of that than ever before. Running clears my head. It leaves me with a great big rush of endorphins. I'm so smiley and relaxed after I've been running. And I really like toughing out a run when I don't feel like it. There's something incredibly ah. satisfying in that graft. You know, going and doing some kilometre reps or some hills or something. It's gnarly. It's disgusting. But I feel great afterwards. And it's quite, it's properly addictive. I love it.
1: I wish I did have that. Oh, maybe I do, but I've resisted to it. <laughs> but, like, running is <laughs> the only, like, exercise that I actually enjoy doing. Yeah, me and too. It's, mm. I think it's because, obviously, watching so much athletics, it's something that I can um, kind of relate to. And when you, when you do a go out and run a hard and you can pretend you're Paula Radcliffe or pretend you're Elliot Kipchoge or something, in a, like, obviously, a quarter of the pace... But um, it's something relatable to me. And although I don't do it as often as I should, um, I really enjoy it every time Every time I go running. And I love it when you start out, because with me, it's always like um, I do it for ages and then I usually get an injury or something and then I stop and don't do it for ages. But it's that getting back into it, and you start off and you can only run like a mile and you have to have a little walk, and but you... And then the next mm. week you do a little bit better and then you do a little bit better. And then you get to the point where you can do more than just plod around. You actually, oh, I'm a little bit fit now. I can maybe even pace myself. I know I'm going to run 5K, mm. so now I can try and get a better time. Um, it's that kind of little mental game you play with yourself that I absolutely love. I'm just looking out the window and the sun is out. So I have no more excuses. My trainers will be going on later today.
0: Do you two listen to anything when you run? I know that you are both podcast fiends. What do you go with audio wise? Because I broke my phone a couple of years ago and (gasps) had to stop running with music. And the first few runs were awful because I could hear that I was out of breath. I could hear my feet (laughs) pounding the pavement. And I just thought... I convinced myself I'd be bored but I've grown to love it now and I run with nothing. Oh, really? Oh, the headspace, it affords me. I couldn't tell you what I think about on a run but I get back from a run and I've sorted all sorts out up there. Oh, that's so interesting. I
1: I have to have something on on in my ears but that's just mm -hmm. life in general. I've always got headphones in. (laughs) But um, I usually listen to podcasts but if I really want to run better, I will listen to music and I've got two playlists. One is 90s House And one is what we call like 80s groove, which is kind of dance music from the 80s, like R&B stroke. Um, Yeah, that kind of intersection between disco and house, um, which is they're the best, best music to run to. I save up a podcast I've been really looking forward to. If I know it's like a a true crime one that's going to have a big reveal or something, Mm -hmm. I, I do it so that I know... I'm going to be completely distracted, so I don't think about running. And you know, when you've, yeah. you've listened to something, and suddenly, suddenly you realize another five minutes has gone past, and you haven't even thought about it. That's what I want. I want yeah. something to completely, de- completely distract me from my, um, the, the pain in my head and chest <laughs> and legs and feet and that actually without, without
0: being too corny about it runners need are really about the mental side of things as well as the physical side of things and it, it's really important to them that people know that it doesn't really matter how far you go so mm. long as you're going somewhere and that you, there are so many benefits to be reaped besides the fact that you know you might run a 5k pb at some point
1: so let's just remind everybody our new sponsors runners need and if you go to their website and you put in straight. Um, you get a 15% discount on any full-price item apart from electronics. Is that right, Claire?
0: That is right. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to test your knowledge now because I'm going to ask you where people can get in touch with you both on social media if they wanted to tell you their thoughts on the podcast.
1: So on Twitter, it's at B. Good. And on Instagram, it's Backstraight Boys Podcast. Jody, this week. Let's sort that out and get in the same thing, whatever that may be. Yeah? <laughs> Absolutely. So we just have one to remember. It
0: when I say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Claire underscore G Thomas, and I'd just like you to stop and think, have I reviewed the Back Straight Boys and Girl hmm. podcast yet on my podcast provider? Because if I haven't, now's the time. It takes all of two seconds to hit the fifth star along from the left, <laughs> which is probably the best way to do it. <laughs>
1: And obviously, if you write a little review as well, you might get some um, Backstrike Boys swag on the way to you. We've, we've cleared oh. out our athletics cupboards, and I'm sure we've got some nice little prizes for you. Well, do you know what I have to say? Our athletics cupboards are running a bit bare with like, the whole of 2020. <laughs> like, as a complete, um, right off. A complete no-go. Um, yeah, and we weren't in Doha either. So um, if people have been mentioned, if we have called out your... Um, called out your review then give us a drop us a DM on Instagram or um, or Twitter and I will scuffle around in the back of the cupboards and try and find something for you
0: DM aren't you down with the kids <laughs> thanks very much for listening to our women's middle distance special thanks again to our fantastic guests thank you Jodie and Bayo for your company it's always a pleasure and thank you to runners need is
1: that everyone think so everybody
3: <laughs>
1: bye bye
3: bye <laughs>
0: How are you both? What have you been up to?
1: Well, I'm great and I'm really excited about this week's um, edition because we've had such great guests on. Um, Britain's Asper. Women's, yeah, Middle Distance Special. We've got some of the best talking to us this week.
0: Who have we got? Go on, tell everyone. Give, let's, let's have okay. spoilers. Let's tell people who So who's Sarah,
1: you had a really good chat with Gemma Riki. Bayo's been talking to Melissa. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Don't you remember? <laughs> um, Bayo, he talked to Melissa Courtney Bryant and I'm talking to my fat
0: fr- No, no, no. Judy, you called me Sarah. Ah! <laughs> i know that i spoke to gemma Rieke when i'm i was picking up on there is that without batting an eyelid you got my name wrong again that's two weeks in a row oh,
1: no you know i was thinking i'm thinking of who i interviewed <laughs> um, oh god sarah <laughs> i just called you sarah um
3: How do I leave this call? Where's the accent button?